This week on the Recruitment Flex, we find out that Shelly can't drive. Zip Recruiter takes a beating in Q2, Zoom defines irony with its latest announcement, and automation is not AI. TRF with my dad and Shelly starts after this message from Van Hack. Hey there, Shelly. Have you heard about Van Hack? Oh, you mean the HR tech sensation that's taking the recruitment world by storm? That's the one. Van Hack is revolutionizing how companies find top talent globally. Imagine connecting with skilled professionals from all around the world without the hassle. Absolutely. Van Hack has a great team and seamless technology where recruiters and companies can discover talent with ease. And they have a talent pool specifically curated for tech professionals. Tech savvy and globally connected, just what every company needs. Van Hack offers tailored solutions for companies of all sizes, from startups to Fortune 500 giants. So if you're ready to take your recruitment game to the next level, join Van Hack today. Yeah, visit Van Hack and unlock a world of talent right at your fingertips. VanHack.com, where global recruitment meets simplicity. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Bonjour and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. Shelly, I heard you had an unfortunate encounter with a parking (laughs) barrier, but you haven't told me yet. So what's up? Oh, man. So... Listen, it is so embarrassing and a little bit bananas because I can hardly believe I did it. Like we were at Chinook. Okay. We'd gone for a bite to eat and there's nobody in the parkade. Like it's bloody empty. I'm backing out and I thought, oh, I can just pull forward. And I didn't see it's like a two and a half foot cement triangular parking barrier. And I drove straight into it. Serge, I really pride myself on being a safe driver and a good driver. I had one little bumper incident in my whole life, but this was so bad. My car is not drivable. It's not safe to drive. (laughs) Wow. I know. And it was just the bumper on the front driver's side. You know that sound, Serge, when I don't know if you've ever been in a car accident or you know how... Chad and Cheese always have that sound of screeching tires and a crash. That sound will never leave your ears. Like, this is so bad. Shelly, I love to make fun of you, but I did exactly the same thing. So I was parked, and this was at McMahon Stadium, the football stadium. And right in front of me, I didn't realize it was like a three foot, like where a pole usually goes, but there's no pole. So I didn't see it. And I just moved forward. And this is 10 years ago. I just hit it and it like completely destroyed my radiator in my front. It was a big hassle. So I cannot make fun of you. It's too bad. Funny you say that. Yesterday, I was picking up the kids and I heard a huge noise. And I looked next to me, not too far. There's a lady that backed into a car. And she saw that I saw her. Before I turn around, she is driving away. Oh, Did you get a picture of her? I could not get my phone, but the license plate was very easy. It was a name, then three consecutive numbers, and it's a day camp. So they're going to be picking up their kids every day. Oh, no. 
So mm. I'm going in picking up my oldest daughter and as coming out, there's a young girl going into her car and I'm like, hold off. I want to talk to you. And then I think she got a little bit panicked, this man with kids running to her. And I told her the story and I gave her the license plate and everything because it did significant damages. And I'm like, who would do that? Who would just drive away from a scene? They heard it, right? Like you had to hear it. You heard like the plastic scrunch and then pull back together. Did she have five screaming children in her car with her? I don't know. She probably had children. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. But But you feel it. You feel it, right? So Shelly, do you picture me at a rave? Yes. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Well, a rave. Okay, define rave. Hold on. Well, we went to Seattle here in Calgary at uh, a festival. An outdoor music festival? Yes. Oh, hell yes. Yes. Oh, yes. It was great. I've never seen Tiesto. Don't really like the music that much, but I am open to any concert. So I had an incredible time. Did I feel old? Yes. I was definitely in the 0.1% of the oldest people there, but I really didn't care. Well, you know, Brooke and I love music festivals, concerts. That's my happy place. Because nobody's judging. Everybody's there because they love the music. But you know what's funny though is the beer line was very short. Like extremely short. Because nobody's drinking beer. They're all drinking beer. (laughs) I was the only one. Yeah, no, it was a great event. Tiesto was amazing. He was playing Vegas the night before Calgary, then Ibiza. That's a pretty big gap in locations. No kidding. So just speaking of the fact that you have three girls. Yes. Have you seen the Barbie movie? Not yet. This weekend, hopefully. Okay. First of all, Serge, let me say thank you because you should take your girls. I believe it should be mandatory that every parent take their daughters to see that movie. Let me tell you, Brooke took me. She'd already seen it. And wow, I nearly jumped out of my chair both arms in the air cheering at one point and you'll know what i mean or at least die will know what i'm talking about well but i, I can't wait it. to see it so don't spoil it I, i'm not very I'm not, excited to nope. see it but i will tell you i loved it i loved it well that's good to know i've got fantastic feedback from men as well that absolutely loved it so can't wait to see it this weekend so, Shelly, it's official. Mm-hmm. We will be on September 13 on the Disrupt stage at Wreckfest with the yeah. Chad and Cheese crew. Also, Aline Bailey and Tracy Parson will yeah. be joining us. I'm pretty excited. That should be it's a lot be of fun, fun, right? Yes, this is going to be fun. I am excited as well because I was looking at the lineup of who's going to be on deck. The energy level at the Disrupt stage is going to be unequaled. Honestly, it's going to be unequaled because you've got, obviously, Chad is high energy. You and I, high energy. Alin. Are we? And Tracy. Yeah, we are. Okay. (laughs) We are. We are. Like, who can sustain talking just about recruitment, talent acquisition for 300 episodes? And still find stuff to talk about. I know. (laughs) I know. It's getting harder. So, Wreckfest. September 13, 14 yeah. in Nashville, everyone in talent acquisition should go. So if you're a talent acquisition leader listening to this podcast, yeah. go with your team. Think about it. How the much group f- tickets, you can't even go to to anything for the price of group tickets. Come on. Yeah. Cost cannot be the reason you're not going. 
That's for I sure. I agree. And speaking of Disrupt, Disrupt yes. HR in Calgary, I will be speaking. This is the last Disrupt HR that Michelle Berg will be running. I just think this is going to be fantastic. Oh. You are absolutely going to knock this out of the park. People will talk about this for years. I have a very disruptive speech. I'm going to be talking about the recruiter-less recruitment department and going very in-depth of what that could look like. So if you are in Calgary, definitely yep. come to Disrupt HR September mm-hmm. 21st. And Disrupt HR in Halifax is September mm-hmm. 14th. Tickets are running out. Unfortunately, I won't be there, but mm-hmm. Leah Sobring is going to rock the house and we're going to have a fantastic inaugural Disrupt HR in Halifax. Yes, fantastic. So on to what's happening in the news. Serge, do you want to start us off? Yes, let's talk about Zip Recruiter came Mm -hmm. out with his quarterly earnings yesterday, and I can tell you it's very bleak. I don't know if you checked your stock this morning, your Zip Recruiter stock this morning. Did you? I didn't check it this morning. God, tell me, what is it? What are they down tra- to thirteen dollars? Where oh. did you buy that? <laughs> I'm not telling you. <laughs> I'm not telling you. I think I'm you not, bought it I'm at not. twenty-two, right? Twenty-two, no. twenty-six. No. no, but I will tell you, I bought more. <laughs> you double down on it, it. It's buy low, sell high. Well, yeah, it's right? a good time to buy actually. So, Zip it Recruiter is. posted its Q2 revenue of hundred and seventy million. And that is down 29% year over year. And paying customers mm-hmm. were down 35%. And I can tell you, it's not looking much rosier going into the next quarter because their revenue forecast is at $150 million with a 34% decline year over year. And what they're saying, due to a typical hiring patterns observed through the first half of 2023, the company withdrew its forecast for a full year adjusted EBITDA. How do you say that? EBITDA. 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 It's forecast for full year adjusted EBITDA. Of 178 million to 192 million. I can tell you, Shelly, the job board world is struggling right now. And this is a perfect mm-hmm. example. There is an offset of it. LinkedIn reported a 5% revenue growth, and a lot came from the recruitment sector, but Indeed is expecting their quarterly earnings at the end of this month. And that will tell us a whole lot more of what's going on in the industry. But are you surprised here, Shelley? No, this is a non-event. The entire job board industry, we've been talking about this since January. Everybody, including the big guys like Indeed and ZipRecruiter and pretty much every job board. Do you know what's interesting though, Serge? Let me ask you this. Why do they have to throw in LinkedIn? Are we considering LinkedIn to be a job board or are they a social media platform? They're like, both. Which one is it? They're both. But I don't see them as a job board. A lot of people look for jobs board. on LinkedIn. A lot of people look for jobs on LinkedIn. And yeah, fact, but it's not a fair comparison. If you're comparing the job board industry, yes, they have a job board, but In all fairness, I think the Indeed numbers are going to tell us a clearer picture, but I am surprised of how bad it is. 29%. I was expecting they were going to report 10 to 15% down 29% in a world where 
what is the unemployment rate in the US? 3.8%. Canada is just over 5%. Like these are record low unemployment rates. So employers are not posting jobs or are not willing to pay to post jobs seems to be the trend. There's the point. There's the point is, are they willing to pay for job postings? And I do believe it'll come back. And I do believe that 25 to 29% is pretty commonly reported. I seem to recall that even in Q1, Indeed was reporting a drop of about the same amount in terms of- Not in of, revenue. Not in revenue. I oh, think not it was in down revenue. in graphic. Job, job posting, posting numbers. Volume, yeah. But not yeah, in revenue. But it goes to what Chris Foreman was saying a couple of weeks ago when he was talking about the impact of what's going on in the labor market. Right now, a lot of companies are getting a lot more traffic with their organic postings on their career sites, mm-hmm. which is reducing the demand for paid posting, which for companies like Zip Recruiter is their bread and butter. This is how they make money. So definitely something to watch. And we'll report on the Indeed revenue when it comes out. I believe it's August 26th. So that will be heard here on the Recruitment Flex. In other news, and I wanted to bring this one up, we don't talk about staffing that much. And we probably should because we have a big staffing audience. But there was a major transaction that happens. Air Swift, who is the fourth largest global engineering staffing firm, signed a deal to acquire Energy Resourcing, a staffing division of Whirlies, which is Sydney-based company that provides engineering services in the energy and chemical industries globally. So obviously being in Calgary, the energy sector is Mm -hmm. massive. And we have a lot of friends at Energy Resourcing Groups. Good on you. Big news. Yeah. news. In other news, I saw this, uh, and I'm sure everybody's caught it by now, but I did want us to talk about it. Amazon has started to implement their return to office policy for corporate employees. Now, it's not a full five days a week. It is three days a week from one of its centrally assigned hub locations. But what is super interesting is they're giving employees three options. You can come back into the office three days a week into a hub that is close by. You can apply for a job somewhere else at Amazon if you don't want to come to that particular hub or commute. And then the third option is you can voluntarily resign, thereby they don't have to pay any sort of severance. Now, this is US, right? Still, interesting angle of we'll give you three options. And the third one is you can just quit. So Shelly, is this legal? Can you do that? Yes. But what happens well, if they were so hired under the pretense of working remotely yep. and now they're being forced? Can this happen? Is it legal? Yes, it can. I think the laws may be different in different states, but certainly same here in Canada. The employer has the ability to change the working conditions within reason. And they have to give employees sufficient notice to make changes or arrangements or what have you. You can't spring it on somebody and say, you know, you've got to make a decision by Monday. And you're telling them on Friday, you can't do that. So giving employees sufficient notice and giving them options, because we have to, as employers, maintain the ability to run our business. And if they've decided this is how we want to run our business, you do have a choice. You can stay, you can agree, or you can change jobs. I think what's worth discussing is the fact that 
there's such a big public company introducing the whole term of voluntarily resigning. Mm. You can voluntarily retire early. We see that all the time in staffing reductions. You know, you can put your hand up and say, hey, I'll take a package. But this is different. If you're voluntarily resigning, you don't get a package. You know what? And I don't think this is the most relevant news on return to work this week, because I was reading an article that Zoom, who is synonymous with remote working, right? Mm -hmm. Like they became famous Mm -hmm. during Mm -hmm. the pandemic. Zooming became a term and they really own the remote world of work. And at least when people were thinking about remote work. So I don't know. Did you hear this? So they told staffers who work within 50 miles of a company office that they'll have to come back two days per week. And Mm -hmm. here is the statement. We believe that a structured hybrid approach, meaning employees that live near an office need to be on site two days a week to interact with their team. This is read by Colleen Rodriguez, the Zoom's head of global PR. This one really shocked me because their whole business model is based around remote work. And now they're forcing their employees to come in at least two days a week. And I expect this to come back even more. Talk about brand. Like this to me is a horrible brand play. But what was your thoughts when you read? I heard this as well. And I think everyone's reacting the same way. It's like beyond ironic. Yes. (laughs) It is. It is. Within 50 miles. Wow. Depending on where you live, 50 miles can be a four-hour commute. I did catch this, and I I don't think the irony has gone past anybody. Do you know what my biggest surprise is? Zoom has offices. I had no clue. I had an assumption that they did not have offices. Everyone worked remotely. So I was a little shocked to see this. I think it's a horrible brand play. I think this is going to cause some challenges because remember Zoom during 2021 was the place that everyone wanted to work in the tech industry. They had a very strong brand and now they're flipping this around and I know why they're doing it. The economy right now, it's an employer base when it comes to labor market. This is going to flip. This is going to flip and it's going to be horrible for these companies because I saw a job ad for a recruiter the other day that was remote Do you know how many applicants like you see on LinkedIn? It was up to 1,300 applicants in two days for a remote recruiter role. So the minute that you put remote on a job posting, your traffic goes way up. There's an awakening that will happen when the labor market shifts. But for now, it is what it is. And last week, we talked about a couple of oil and gas companies that are going to be bringing their employees full time. Mm -hmm. Well, the first shoe dropped. So the first company is your old employer, CNRL, me. forcing five days a week. I would have 100% said that it would be CNRL, and that will be closely followed by Suncor. TransCanada, Enbridge. They're all going to follow suit. It did not surprise me at all. CNRL is, take a look at their About Us page and tell me how many old white guys (laughs) it's all of them and they're all uber rich they're all like multi-gazillionaires shelly how about you jump to the tip of the week tip of the week i will challenge our audience to take a look at how we measure our own success as a recruiter and there's one thing that i want us to kind of revisit and it's how many applicants do you need in order to make a hire 
And this should be something that we know every single day. If you are getting 750 people apply and you've got one job to fill, is that a good thing? No. If you do, here's a reality check. 749 people applied to this job and you're saying no to 749 people. That does not sound like a fun thing to me. No. Even at 100 applicants to fill one job, that means 99 people are disappointed. Because whether we believe it or not, job seekers, unless they're blindly using some app to apply for every job that you possibly have, which does happen, but it's rare. Most people see your job at and really believe that I could do that job. So you are disappointing anywhere from 99 to 749 people. So here's what it should be. If you are looking to fill a role, your applicant to hire ratio should be 50 to one. And if it is, it's a sign that you are very competent as a recruiter because it measures that you've written a decent job ad that clearly outlines what you're looking for and it's attracting the right sort of people. That is what I believe your applicant to hire ratio should be. So how many of those should be outbound type of applicants in this ratio? Like if I'm going to present to the hiring manager, I'm going to have a percentage of my candidates that I physically source. I went after them because they fit the criteria, unless I had a very high percentage of qualified applicants and there's not a need for me to go externally, but I usually still do. Like I want to know that I'm going under every rock and I'm trying to figure out the best candidate. Yeah. If you're properly staffed, if your recruitment team is properly staffed, where someone does have the time to be going out and actually sourcing people, but I'm talking about the majority of recruitment teams are not staffed adequately, that recruiters have truly the time and the tools to be sourcing. So I'm saying just purely measure your effectiveness of managing your time and being able to demonstrate that because, you know, your final three that are put in front of a hiring manager, that's all inbound. Yes. There's a couple of things there, Shelly, that I'm trying to figure out what makes sense because... I think it was James Ellis that was talking about the difference between recruitment marketing and marketing, right? Which is a completely different approach. And there's been a lot of discussion over the past four or five years on better job ads. And some people have taken it seriously and have done a better job. A lot of people have not, or they've tried to either leverage ChatGPT or just put some aspirational type of job ads. Cheesy. Oh yeah, yeah. they're cheesy. They're like, it, are you a dynamic power line technician? <laughs> it, exactly. Oh and they think, well, that's a creative cringe. job ad, and it's the opposite. No, like it's a job exactly. A job <laughs> ad should give you a realistic picture of what it is and how it is to work there. I think you have to put some of the warts in there, like government work. Some people are not attracted to it, but some people, that's what they love. They were nine to five or coming in. That's their dream job. Well, highlight what the roles are and you will get the right fit of candidates compared to if you're overly aspirational. Like you said, people get excited about the job. In reality, it's love bombing as you talked about in the past. Yes. Add the warts. (laughs) Exactly. 
Let's jump into the recruiting insights. Okay. So I want to start with something that you've been a real powerful advocate for it. And I know it's something that you feel really strongly about. And I want to talk about hiring those individuals who have a criminal record. There are some detractors who believe that hiring anyone who's got a previous criminal record can fall under the category of negligent hiring. In other words, if something goes horribly wrong and they end up repeating that criminal offense under your employee, that's how you define negligent hiring. But the reality is that for most organizations who hire individuals who have, you know, say second chance, right? Second chance hiring, the likelihood of that person doing something that is going to fall into the category of negligent hiring is less than 1%. I do want to call out though that, you know, hiring somebody who's got a criminal record of violence and then being surprised when they beat the shit out of their supervisor, yeah, that's negligent hiring. It's like the guy who embezzled $50 million and then hiring him as your CFO and being surprised when he disappears just wanted to call that out because the second chance hiring and people with criminal records, it is a very small percentage where there's really any risk to the business. In fact, it's probably just as likely for people without a criminal record to do the same stupid shit. Did you find this vindicating, Serge, when you read this article? I, I am so glad you shared this article because I learned a lot. And in my experience, I've gone through with our legal departments when it comes to criminal records before, and I really had nothing to push back. Like they're very concerned about exactly this. What are their liabilities if something goes wrong? And I never had stats. I couldn't really come mm-hmm. back at all. And I think this explains a little bit the difference between HR and talent acquisition, right? HR wants zero risk and talent acquisition wants limited risk, but the ability to hire more people if it makes sense. So looking at this article, I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. And when you say 1%, I think you're exaggerating because in 50 years, there's only been 435 court cases that found the employers guilty of negligent hiring. And in total of how many cases that have been brought up, it's 2,200 people. It's nothing. Like, it's really not even a risk. Obviously, the points that you made, like you're not going to hire a CFO that has embezzled money or there's been a situation where someone beats the hell out of his coworkers in the past. I think you have to take all of that into account. But not hiring someone because they have a criminal record because of possible liability is now debunked completely. Do look at this article when your legal team is pushing back on you hiring someone with a criminal record. It's totally overblown. Yeah. Do you want to jump into the next topic, Shelley? Sure. I have to admit, like last week when we talked about the lazy girl yeah. phenomenon. Yeah. And then I saw this article this week and I'm like, Hmm. I wonder how much of this is connected. It was really a fun article that talked about the use of social media at work. We're not talking about, you know, when it's part of your job or using LinkedIn or liking, you know, your company posts. We're talking about social media in the workplace. And I've always been maybe old fashioned. And I thought it's something you do outside of the workplace. And quite frankly, I think it's unprofessional to be sitting at your desk and checking Instagram. 
if my employees were doing it, I would feel like it's theft of time. Because social media for me is entertainment. It'd be like watching TV at your desk. And so this article, they did a survey of employees and asked workers themselves if they felt that using social media in the workplace was unprofessional. So interesting, 57% thought that it was, that you shouldn't be. But yet, when asked, and of course, this be anonymous survey, but then how many of you spend up to four hours during your workday on social media? 46% of people admitted that they spend up to four hours a day during their workday on social media. <laughs> okay, I was going to ask because it wasn't really clear. Is it four hours a day or four hours a up week? To four too? hours. Okay. On social media for personal use during work hours. Even though 57% feel it's unprofessional, yet almost 50% of them are doing it. Shelly, you said if you're em- employees and you have some, uh, we're spending time on Instagram or social media, you'd be really upset. Can I break some news to you? They are. I am 100%. Well, according to this article, they are. They are. L- let's face it. We're addicted to social media in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And just think about the millennials and Gen Z. They have grown up on social media. And it, it's not a generational thing completely because who uses social media the most? It's yes. the old folks. It's the like, older demographic. Yeah. My mom spends so much time on Facebook. It's insane. And I see that from everyone in their 60s. They live off Facebook. I'm a little surprised. Four hours a day, they must not be very productive. They must have a lazy girl job, right? Yes. Shelly, I want to jump into the next recruitment insight. I don't know if you remember Jonathan Duarte. We actually met him at HR tech, no, at Unleash. And he raises a really important point or question talking about the difference between AI and automation. So question for you, should system automation be considered AI? Okay. What what is system automation? You log into your Facebook using single sign-on from Google. Is that AI? No, it's automation. Your resume goes into an applicant tracking system and they do a resume matching. Is that AI? There is technology that does do advanced matching, but the majority is strictly a keyword matching. Is that AI? I don't think so. Kind Kind of. of. That's what I would love for us to help the audience sort through. Because do you know what it feels like to me, Serge, is that this whole term around AI and HR tech it's almost like fear tactics or smoke bombing. You know, like we're scaring the shit out of people saying AI is in everything. It was like the way DEI was just thrown around. Everybody had a DEI solution and now it's AI. And I can't even scroll half a page through something like LinkedIn without some commentary about HR tech having AI. There was a couple, I was reading through this post from Jonathan and I I was trying to figure out, okay, what's the best explanation? Because I'm going to be completely frank. I don't think it's black and white. I think it's confusing. But to your point, all these HR 
tech vendors are coming out and AI this and AI that. And the majority is not AI. It's actually just automation that we've had for years, right? The biggest lesson is when a vendor is coming out and selling you an AI tool, you need to dig in deeper and understand what is the difference, right? What do these terms mean? And we, I think it was with Ben Eubanks and we're talking about the importance of AI. We need to understand it as much as any other department in our company, because if we don't understand it, we are going to get fooled and tricked and buy the wrong tech, have the wrong process. So it's really important for us to understand what machine learning is, what is natural language processing, what are large language models, what is generative AI. They're all very different. And there's a great Mm -hmm. course right now, and then we've talked about this before, that everyone should take on Google talking about generative AI and how it works in depth so we understand it. Great tip. Thanks for that again, Serge. Maybe in our show notes, can we add the link to the Google training course? Absolutely. But before we go, Alex Murphy, friend Uh of the show, Mm -hmm. had a great response. And I think I'm just going to read it, Shelly. So his answer is, to your original question, is automation AI? Absolutely not. Automation is simply the execution of a task based on either a scheduled moment of time, which is generally is repeating or an action based on a triggered event. However, automation is different than integration. The example of single sign-on is integration, not automation. Good clarification. Two APIs speaking to each other between two different systems is integration, which can be used to create complex automation. AI is really something altogether different than integration or automation. However, all three can play together. AI is software that simulates human abilities around learning, problem solving, and language by analyzing large data sets to predict outcome. This can be introduced with an automated workflow as a process for developing outputs could bring together data from different systems through integration or could be refined over time by regularly adding to the data set through automation on the data input side. These things are different but are often used together. I thought that was a perfect explanation of the difference between automation, integration, which we work a lot in, and AI. So Alex Murphy, brilliant as always. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. On that note, Shelly, that's all I have today. So go fix your car because I think you have a car appointment. And send me a picture because I want to have a good laugh. Okay. (laughs) Will do. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Au revoir. Shelly, let's face it. Texting candidates is the easiest way to hire quicker today. But your cell phone doesn't connect to your ATS. You're sharing your personal number with strangers. That's pretty scary, right, Shelly? And Mm. it's not even legally compliant. Mm, This is where our friends at Rectex come in. They've created simple yet powerful text recruiting software that works with your ATS. Plus, it's designed by recruiters for recruiters, so you know it works. To learn more and book a demo, visit www.rec.com. TXT.com, mention the recruitment flex and get 10% off annual plans. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called 
can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding or seeking, feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.